Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. I want to go back and speak on a subject that I was talking about several weeks ago, about the walk of the Spirit, going for a walk with the Spirit, how to walk with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, the NIV says this, renders it this way, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The New King James Version says, let us walk in the Spirit. And I made this statement a few weeks ago when I said that a journey of two people begins with the harmony of steps. The only way that you can arrive at the destination that God has for you is for you to be in harmony with the steps of the Holy Spirit. Chase and Dory and everybody else, I want you to know the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. And as you walk according to the will of God... You are walking in the step with the Spirit. Wherever that may lead. He may walk you over mountain paths. He may walk you through some deep valleys. But if you stay in step with the Spirit, then you are going and walking in the will of God. It is the perfect will and order of God. But the question is, and this is the question I've been answering for several weeks about the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? How is that done? How do we walk in step with the Spirit? And I spoke about the Spirit. I talked about the work of the Spirit in our lives a few weeks ago. This week, what I want to do is I'm going to concentrate on how to cultivate a companionship with the Holy Spirit so that as you walk with Him on a daily basis, you know how to grow in that relationship. How many of you would like to know how to grow in that step-by-step relationship of walking with the Spirit? It's important. It's important for all of our lives. And I can just tell you that you never outgrow that. You never get to the point in your Christian walk where you don't have to continually pay attention to being in step with the Spirit. It's never a given. There's not an automatic button. There's not a cruise control that you can put on in the Christian life that can allow you to just cruise right to God's will and through God's will. You will always need to be particularly paying attention to the steps of the Spirit and where He's leading, that nudge that He encourages you with. So this morning, I want us to speak about how to cultivate that life. I'm going to give you seven points this morning. If you've got notes, you can take those notes. If you don't, just listen carefully because I think there's some things that the Word of God has to speak for us today. Why don't we do this? Let's pray and ask God's Word to be quick in our hearts today. Father, I pray that you'd bless the speaking, Lord God, and the division of your Word. I pray that you would strengthen, Lord, those, Lord, who need strengthening, that, Lord, it would challenge those, Lord, who need to be challenged. Lord, that it would convict those, Lord God, who need convicting, Lord, and they would convince those who need convincing that, Lord, your way is the way, that you are the life, Lord, that you are the truth, Lord. So let your word go forth today in Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to bring to your attention this morning of how to cultivate the companionship of the Holy Spirit is first that you have to regard the Holy Spirit as a living person. I discussed a little bit a few weeks ago about the Trinity and the triune God, the theological stand that we make that God is one in three persons. He fulfills His work in three roles, the role of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that understanding, you have to recognize that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a, he is not a force. He is not like Star Wars, you know, where the force is going to be with you. He is not some energy out there. Although a lot of people think of the Spirit in that way, that they've watched more Star Wars and they've read the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a living part of the God. He is God, okay? He is not the one that's just kind of shuffled to the side. you got the Father and the Son. They do all the work. The Spirit was at work in the very beginning. The Spirit was at work as He hovered over the waters. The Spirit was at work when the Word of God came into being. He inspired every one of the writers, He directed them on what to say, the words that God wanted to be put down for the revelation of us to benefit from. The Holy Spirit, He is a person. 
And so you have to regard him as a person. And in doing so, you, when you regard him as a person, there is something that's unique about that. And I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. It's a verse that I brought to your attention a few weeks ago. And I want to show you again something that's very important. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 17, he says, I keep asking that God, our God, of our, the God of our Father, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. Now notice there's three in one here. This is the Trinity here being displayed in Paul's writing. That he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And notice this last phrase. So that you may what? You may know him better. So that you may know him better. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to us in order for us to know God better. And let me just say this. And some of you, uh, you, you need to recognize that God is known in varying degrees. Now, I don't stand up here and say, I have more revelation than you do, and you wouldn't say that to somebody else, but we understand the truth is that God is known in varying degrees. And, and what you must recognize is that He is never fully known in one encounter. He's never going to be known in one encounter. You see some common mistakes that people make when they seek a relationship with God, the first mistake is that when they come to know Jesus at their new birth, at regeneration, at salvation, and they give their heart to Jesus, they repent and they believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he made atonement for their sin and they invite him and he takes up residence in their heart. The Holy Spirit seals them, marks them as being saved. Many assume that at that point, they know all there is to know about the work of God in their life. That's a, that's a terrible tragedy. Not that they got saved. That's wonderful. What a great thing to celebrate. But that is a tragedy because you only know God in varying degrees and you cannot fully know God in one encounter. And there are people who have had a salvation experience at an altar like one of these or wherever it might have been at home and they had this, this incredible moment with God and that was the last time that they chased after and pursued His presence. Let me take it a step further. Another mistake is that people who come to the Lord, they, they are, they're saved, they live and they follow, they follow the Word of the Lord and they, they've got Jesus in their heart and they say, Lord, I want more. And so they say, I, I've read the book of Acts and they have that baptism experience according to the book of Acts and they have that experience and, and the Lord just masterfully baptizes them and fills them with the Holy Spirit, that second work of grace that God pours into their life. And they, and they say, wow, this is incredible. This is exactly what I was searching for. And yet they don't continually be filled with the Spirit. You cannot know God in one encounter. You can't even know God in two encounters. In both encounters, we teach the power of God and the presence of the Lord. But my friends, listen. Until you recognize the, the Holy Spirit as a person that you get to know in, in varying degrees over time and over experience and over encounters, the truth is, is that at salvation and even at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that is just the beginning of your understanding of knowledge of the Lord. The only way to know all there is to know about the person and work of the Holy Spirit is to develop a constant relationship with Him. A continual conversation that never stops. Continually walking with Him, talking with Him, in step with Him, in harmony with Him. You see, if you are a true seeker of God, you should know Him better five years from now. You should know Him better today than you did last Sunday and five Sundays ago and five years ago. But what happens is many miss that opportunity. They don't follow the Enoch model. Enoch did what? He walked with God and then the Lord took him. Because of his constant harmony with the Lord, he was constantly with him. The Lord said, you are close and I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you. It's a tragedy when I watch people who come to know the Lord, whether they come and give the heart to Jesus, 
or they come and they're, they're saying, Lord, I want more. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Jesus baptizes them. And it's, a, it's just, a, just a miraculous to watch those encounters with God. It's like the first, you know, it's the first time you get to see something, first time you get to experience something. Those are always exciting and exhilarating. But it's a tragedy to watch people move from those moments and waste years of their life by not pursuing a deeper, closer, more intimate relationship. And here's why. It's because they don't recognize the Holy Spirit as a person. It was an it. It was an encounter. It was a moment. Your relationship with God is not about just a moment. It's not just about an event. You have to mark those events in your life. They are flags that you put in the ground and say, praise God, I got saved right there. Praise God, I was baptized right there. Those are moments, but you can't waste years. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is laying out on a field. He makes a pillow out of a rock. And all of a sudden, God gives him a dream and he begins to see the angels of heaven ascending and descending in a stairway from earth to heaven and back and forth. He has an incredible experience with God. He names that place Bethel. He says, this is the house of God. This must be the house of God. But if you know the story of Jacob, he wasted 20 years of his life. It was 20 years You get to Genesis chapter 30 before Jacob has another tremendous encounter with God. And I say, Lord, why such a waste? Why so many years before that second encounter that he had? And the Lord says, so many Christians do the exact same thing in their life. After a life-changing encounter with the Lord, they fail to continue to pursue God. They get bogged down in teaching or they get bogged down in, in, in just being lazy. Their spiritual walk. Some get satisfied. Hey, this is enough for me for now. I'm going to keep living. And they never deepen their relationship. The reason why is because they don't see the Holy Spirit as a person to continue to get to know. When you're walking in the Spirit, you're being conscious of His constant presence. So conscious that you don't even sometimes have to speak. Now, I want you to consider this. I want you to think about how you act when you invite someone over to your house that you don't really know well. Say you invite somebody to your house and you really, you don't have a real close relationship. Say just somebody random in the church, somebody that you just meet today. Hey, why don't you come to my house? What you're going to do is probably what Shannon and I have done. She's like, they're coming to the house. I was like, okay, you head out now and you go make sure everything's right, everything's in order before they show up. And they get to your house and when they do get to your house, you feel this pressure underneath you to entertain them. In other words, what they do is when they come into your house, you want to provoke that conversation and you constantly have to keep that chatter going. You're not going to like leave them in the living room and you're going to go off upstairs into the bedroom and do something. You're going to keep... You're going to be right there with them the whole time. You're going to maybe turn the TV on so it's a little bit less awkward. You don't want there to be that awkward. You don't know them real well. So you feel this pressure to entertain, you know. But the longer you get to know that person, the more you get to to fellowship, the more you get to, you start relaxing a little bit. So that that person the next time or four or five, ten times later, they come to your house. They know where the couch is and they just sit down and they make themselves at home and you don't even have to say it. Hey, make yourself at home. They just make themselves at home, kick their feet up, take their shoes off. And what do you do? You can roll into the kitchen. You can get something right there. And guess what? You can sit together and you don't even have to chatter. You don't even have to talk. You don't feel like that you have to create some conversation because you have developed such a relationship that you feel at home and they feel at home. That is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. When you can allow Him to move in your life and you can walk beside Him and you don't feel like you have to entertain and He doesn't feel like He has to entertain you. You can walk closely 
You don't always have to be talking. In other words, you don't have to have music playing when you begin to pray. Come on now. You don't have to have the the current worship list going so that you can get into an attitude of conversation with God. You can play, my staff gives me grief all the time. They're like, Pastor, sometimes it seems like you're playing uh, funeral music. I said, it's just, it's just piano. When I, I, like, I don't like lyrics when I'm praying because I'll find myself singing. And I don't want to sing, I want to pray. I come in and I just begin that conversation. It doesn't take, I don't have to warm up. I don't say, have to say, how are you doing today? I can go straight to the throne. I go straight to the Father and I say, oh, Lord, I just want you to know. This is where I'm at today. Lord, you see me before I even spoke the word, Lord. You see what's going on on my end. But you don't have to do all that. You feel comfortable because he is a person. He's the same God as he was when you started to walk with him. But you become comfortable. You relax. You don't have to chatter. You can just be in his presence. When you can do this, You're regarding the Holy Spirit as a living person. You're treating Him like He is a person and not an it. The second thing, and I'm going to move quickly through this one, the second thing is that you have to be captivated with Christ. John 16 verse 14 says, He will bring glory to me, Jesus speaking, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The Holy Spirit works like this. His modus operandi is that if you honor Christ, He will honor you with His presence. But Christ must be center in your life. I remember the moment that I gave my heart to Jesus. How many of you can remember that moment? If you cannot remember that moment, please try to find out when that moment was. It should be etched in your mind You should know where that happened. You should know when that happened, how old you were. Now, why do I say that? Because if it happened, if it, if what happened that's supposed to have happened, if it made such an impact on your life, you should know about it. We all know when the Twin Towers fell. We all know when Kennedy was assassinated. We all have those things when the Challenger blew up. We know those moments. You should know the moment that Jesus came into your life. Come on, somebody. I remember the moment. Little church in Stanford, Texas, not very big, little wooden pews and little wooden altars. And I gave my heart to Jesus. I was five years old. The evangelist speaking that night was F.R. McAdams. Some of you may know him. He died many, many years ago, but he was a man of God. He preached just a soft, uh, just a soft little sermon. It wasn't anything mega powerful. There wasn't a ton of people there. Not a whole lot. I don't even can't remember if anybody else even responded to the altar call, but I responded. I responded. And I gave my heart to Jesus, and that changed the trajectory of my life forever. I know that moment. And I regarded Christ from that moment. And here's what I said, Lord, Jesus, I want to be just like you. That was my prayer. I want you to come and I want you to make my life just like yours. I'll follow your example. I'll follow your word. I'll do whatever you say. I will seek to honor you. And because you seek to honor Christ, the Holy Spirit will seek to honor you. He will walk with you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He direct you. My goal was to live that way. And the Holy Spirit was completely on board with that goal, to live to honor Christ. And because of that, my relationship with the Holy Spirit grew. But as I got older, there were times that I began to disregard Jesus in my life. Being very honest, I began to ignore His Word. And I began to take for granted the great sacrifice that he made for me. I took for granted the blood that was shed for me. I took for granted his, his, his incredible faithfulness to walk down the streets of the Via Dolorosa carrying his cross and, and be nailed to that tree and hang there for my salvation. I took that for granted. And when you take that for granted, 
the Holy Spirit and your relationship with Him becomes cloudy. It's not that He is not trying to speak to you. It's that He's calling and you're not picking up. And my walk with the Lord in step with the Holy Spirit began to be damaged. You see, it's all about Jesus when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Why do I know that? Because of the verse we read in John 16. He will remind you of everything that I have said. It's all The Holy Spirit will point always back to, back to Jesus. He is the teacher to us. He will teach us all things according to what Jesus has already taught. Now, you can talk about me all you want. I've had people call me a lot of different names. They've, they've said things about me. And sometimes it was even church people. Can you believe it? And I said, hey, I've got big shoulders. I can handle it. I can deal with that. You can talk about me. That's fine. But when they start talking about my family, uh, I don't know about that one. That gets a little bit different. You know, the Scripture tells says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. But when we dishonor Christ by breaking rank with, him, with our faith in Him, we, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Because if you, you can say things about the Holy Spirit, you, He'll keep coming at you, pulling on you. But you begin to speak against Christ. You're in trouble because everything he does honors the Lord, honors Jesus and his work. That's what he's taught. I used to think when I was young, I was worried about the unpardonable sin. Man, I did somebody talk about the unpardonable sin. Oh, dear God, please don't let that have already happened. Y'all are laughing. Some of y'all have prayed that same prayer. God, I know, just whatever, whatever it might be, just don't let it happen. You know what the unpardonable sin is? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that is? The only sin that the Lord will not forgive is the sin that's never repented of. He won't usurp your will. And to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit means you push against the Holy Spirit. You reject Him and you reject Christ. When you reject Christ, the Holy Spirit cannot walk with you. And so you have to regard Christ You have to regard Him and be captivated by Christ. Jesus is not an add-on to our lives. He is the center of our lives. He should be the focus of every Christian's life. Not your job, not your career, not even your family. Jesus should be the focus because if you focus everything of your energy around Jesus, then everything in your life will begin to come into order because of who He is. The church today has got away. We've got to get away from this cheap Christianity. We've got to get away from this expendable Jesus. We have to get rid of this easy Christianity that involves no cross-carrying, that involves no resisting sin to the point of death, that doesn't involve forsaking the world. But we have to get back to taking up our cross and following Him. We cannot take the work of Jesus Christ for granted. We cannot disregard what Jesus has done. We constantly have to remind ourselves, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for the blood that was shed for me so that I could be sin-free, cleansed from my past. If we ever, if we ever uh, uh, minimize the work of Christ on the cross, you have broke rank with the Holy Spirit and you cannot walk in step with Him because He points back to that moment every time. Look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. The third thing is that we have to strive to live in righteousness. The Holy Spirit cannot have fellowship with unrighteousness. This is a main theological problem in our culture and world today. We have magnified grace out of proportion. The pendulum has swung all the way to the other side. We've swung in the last 50 years from legalism to permissivism. 
We've swung so far to where we have expanded grace to such a moment that now you cannot tell the difference between a confessing Christian and a non-Christian because their life looks exactly the same. And sadly, too many preachers are afraid to tell people that they have to live right and they have to follow the Word of God. They're content. There's, there's men that I know, friends of mine, they are content to preach in gray areas and they don't want to answer tough questions that our culture is asking because they're scared that they might lose somebody. Preachers used to preach against everything. Now they preach against nothing. I, I think it has hurt the body of Christ. It's hurt the church, because we have allowed a lifestyle of unrighteousness to be welcome. I can tell you, friends, it's just not the Word of God. Jesus expects us to live a righteous, clean life, a holy life. I mean, whoever said that you can be a Christian and not be a disciple? Huh? You ever thought about that? I preached the 10 weeks on that. Whoever said that you can be a Christian and on your way to heaven and yet say, I don't want to be a disciple. I just needed a moment. I needed to feel some guilt relief. I need to get that off the chest. No, 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 friend. When you, when you accept Jesus, you take up your cross and you follow him. You become his pupil, his disciples. You can't head toward heaven and raise hell all the way till you get there. You see, we're saved by grace, but we're also saved for holiness and for holy living. And I'll just say this, you might disagree, but a man who is not ready to live right and to leave sin behind is a man that's not saved. That's what it means to come to Jesus. You walk away from your yesterday. You walk away from your yesterday's sin. You walk away from that addiction. You walk away from that life. That's what it means to be saved. You're saved from the consequences of that sin, which is death. You're saved from death and you're given eternal life by His grace. You don't deserve it. You shouldn't get it. But because He loved you, He gave His life so that you could have it. You're saved for that. Save for that holy life. Second Corinthians chapter six verse seventeen says, "Come out of from among them. Be separate. Touch no unclean thing." And he says, "And then I will receive you unto me." When you separate yourself, you say, "You know what? That's not my life anymore." And I could stand up here and I could just list. I could go down the list. I could do some soapbox preaching and I could start preaching on certain different things. You know, I mean, we've heard that before. I could start calling them out. You know, that one-eyed box you have in your living room is going to send you to hell. You're going to watch in that one-eyed, one-eyed God in your living room. I can preach on the TV and I can talk about movies and I can do all, you know. I can, there's, you've heard it. But I'm going to tell you, here's how you know it. When you're in step with the Holy Spirit, you know, because he's not going to let you continue. He's going to be on you like fleas on a dog. That's what she said. You will know him. You will know where you are because he will not let you walk away. He seeks you to live in righteousness. Our walk with the Holy Spirit is like walking through an orchard. It should be, I'm picking the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness and faith and self-control. Man, you are just a flower garden of all those fruits. That's who you should be. Fourth thing, as you walk with the Holy Spirit, you have to make your thoughts a clean sanctuary. You see, this follows up because what you have to know is that to... To God, our thoughts are an absolute part of who we are. The Spirit of God cannot and will not endure thoughts of wickedness in your life. 
Can you imagine right now? God being comfortable with thoughts of immorality, hatred, corruption. What if I could read your thoughts right now? Who said I wish he would hurry up? Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. You know what? The Holy Spirit might reveal it to me and I'll find you one of these days. I'm going to point you out. I'm going to figure out who's the Lord. Would you just please give me discernment in the Spirit? Let me find that little booger. He's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Cowboy season rolls around. I'll, I'll have a pretty good idea. I know a couple of them right now. The Lord, the Holy Spirit's giving me revelation right now. It's the one laughing a lot. I know him. I know him. Habitual bad thoughts don't mean that you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, I look back in Second Chronicles chapter 29 and I, I thought about this. I thought, Lord, show me an example of cleaning, our, cleaning the sanctuary of our mind. Second Chronicles chapter 29, Hezekiah, this young man, he comes in and he said, you know what, boys, it's been too long. We haven't had this sanctuary cleaned up. And so I want to read to you what he says. In Second Chronicles 29 verse 4, it says, This king, this young man, he brought the priests and the Levites and he assembled them in the square on the east side. Verse 5 says, And he said, Listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of, our, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Now we're thinking about this sanctuary. Verse 16 says, And the priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it, and they brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and they carried out it out to the Kidron Valley, which was the city dump. They cleaned house. They went in and they cleaned house. It reminds me of Romans chapter 12, verse verse 2, that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Let your mind be made new. And then you will able to, to test and approve God's will, His perfect will. The reason why so many people struggle in their walk with the Holy Spirit in guidance in knowing, hey, do I go this way? Do I take this job? Do I make this move? Do I, do I marry this person? Do I go this way? It's because they've still not cleaned out their sanctuary. They're still living with a dirty, filthy sanctuary. You say, oh man, pastor, I'm not having immoral thoughts. I don't hate anybody. No, but you have allowed things into your mind. You have allowed things, people speaking, speaking negative over your life. And you have allowed those thoughts to settle. You have allowed things of sickness to be settled into your mind. Are y'all following me? We need to clean the sanctuary out and fill it up with the Word of God because a dirty sanctuary will not allow you to be in harmony with the Holy Spirit. You must have the Word that is powerfully made it in your life and so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't accept someone who spoke over you and said, you'll never be this person or you'll never be that or you'll never have this or you'll never do that. That is, the, that is, a, that is against the will of God for your life. Let me tell you, you and God make a majority. That's all it takes. Walk in it. Walk in it. So make your thoughts a clean sanctuary. And following up with that, number five, seek to know Him and His Word. The Holy Spirit inspired the Word and He reveals the Word. And so when you want to know Him, you go to the Word. It's that simple. I'll just tell you this. I don't have any sympathy for Christians who blatantly ignore the Word of God or they try to receive some revelation outside the Word. Pastor, would you just give me some counseling? You know what? How about you read the Gospel of John and come back and then let's talk about that. Now that sounds a little bit harsh, but I'm just telling you the truth. I don't have a whole lot of patience for people who ignore God's Word and they want to receive... Oh man, I found this great book at Mardell. Well, praise God. That's wonderful. You know where that book probably came from? Right out of this one. So go to the source. 
Spend more time, listen, you Bible thumpers, spend more time here than you do at Mardell looking for the next bestseller. Come on now. You need to know the Word of God backwards and forwards. I've got other books in my life. My library is exhaustive. It's become digital now because Shannon said, no more books. No more books. Okay, gotcha. We have no more space. Yes. It's become digital. Let me tell you, I, I don't love any other book more than I love this one. I love the Word. I love the Word because it is bread to my soul. Every time I sit down and I begin to feast upon the Word of God, I don't care if I'm having a terrible day. I can be struggling. I can be just having a, 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 a pity party for myself. I've had a few of those recently. And I just sit down and say, God, I just don't know why this is happening. And He says, would you go to the Word? And would you listen to what I have to say? And the Holy Spirit just begins to flow like a river out of the Word of God. And I find strength. I find help, I find hope because His Word is exactly what it says. Hebrews says that His Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. My soul and spirit, my spirit that is, that is sometimes overwhelmed because my soul is heavy. My soul is downcast, as David said. I've got my emotions are down. My, my mind is filled with all types of facts and, and statistics and my mind is just heavy. But my spirit is fed by the Word of God. It divides. The Holy Spirit comes and the Word begins to overpower from the Spirit over my soul so that I am made victorious and I can win the fight. Second Timothy says all, all Scripture, not just the good pieces. All Scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. John 17, 17 says, Jesus says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. It's not CNN's truth. It's not Fox News' truth. The truth is the word of God and what it says. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You want to walk in step with the Holy Spirit? Read it much. Meditate on it much. Use it to fight with. Use it to find strength with. His word can be made alive in you. It's living It's powerful. Number six, learn to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit everywhere at all times. We know the Spirit of the Lord fills the world. He's here at this moment. You need to recognize that He is always there. Always. Now we say that sometimes, but we don't always believe it. It's easy to say that. I see some of you smiling. It's easy to say, oh, the Lord is always with us. But when you are in the valley, do you believe that He is with you? When you're sitting in that waiting room of the doctor's office, do you believe that He is there? You must go back to that confession. Yes. I do believe He's there. When you don't feel anything, let me help you just real quickly with your walk. The trajectory of knowing God usually is filled with all types of zigzags. Over the past 45 years that I have sought to know Him, a little five-year-old boy pray, God, I want to be just like Jesus. My life has been filled with zigs and zags. And this is going to encourage some of you. Because you don't always live on the top of the mountain. I've seen so many Christian believers get discouraged in their their faith. Because things don't go always. You're not just celebration all the time. There have been times and seasons in my life, not just a day or two or a week. Seasons in my life when it felt like the heavens were silent. I could hear nothing. I felt nothing. I come to church and it felt like I was just going through motions. 
Don't be discouraged if that's you. Because your journey to the Lord is filled with a lot of zigzags. And in every moment, He is teaching you. Because He is never going to leave you. He is always there. Whether you can hear Him, feel Him, touch Him, He is always going to be there. And when you begin to recognize that the Holy Spirit is there, there's nowhere you can go that He is not going to be with you. You will be in such harmony because in those moments where you don't hear Him speaking into your ear, it will be like He's just sitting on the couch, just being silent. Relax. Relax and say, Lord, I know you're here and my ears are open whenever you're ready to talk. Scripture tells us, Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me. So I encourage you. You may feel like that you're in those moments where you don't know if God's there or not. He is there. I assure you, I promise to you, I declare an oath to you that God is there. The Spirit of the Lord is there with you in your life. He's with you. And when you recognize that, it will make walking with Him so much easier. Finally, I close with this. Perry, if you could come to this piano over here. You have to find out if there is anything that's hindering your walk. I know people who want to live in the borderlands of Christianity, of their faith. They want to live on the border. They want to, they want to be in, the, in the, the DMZ. They want to be where there's no real fight and no real challenge because it's just kind of like neutral territory. You have to ask yourself, Lord, in my life, would you look and see if there's anything that hides your face from me? Lord, is there anything in my life that was, that's, that's taking my joy? What's driving the hole in my joy bucket and causing it to leak out? Lord, what is it that's making the Word of God less clear to my heart? Lord, what is it that makes the earth a little more desirable than heaven? We need to do some soul searching because when you, when you have something like that, the Holy Spirit can't rewarm the cold of your life. He's going to make you deal with that hindrance first. Maybe that's, maybe that's something we need to think about today. You say, Pastor, well, that living where you're just focused upon Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that seems so old-fashioned and so narrow-minded. I mean, my life is busy. I've got my phone. i got, you know, we got things, every, schedules and all this kind of stuff. You know, you can make excuses all you want, but bottom line is the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you and He will walk you straight through the portals of glory to stand face-to-face with Jesus one of these days if you're faithful. And so, yeah, it may be as old-fashioned as when Jesus said it. And if that was the case, so be it. Find out if there's something that's hindering you. And if your love for the world is a little bit stronger than your love for Him, friend, it's time to make a change. It's time to make a change. I'd like for you to bow your heads all over the room this morning. Get ready to close. The Holy Spirit waits to be wanted and He desires to be invited. He wants to be loved as a person. But if we end up preferring the trinkets of the world rather than the creator of it all, you'll end up with nothing at the end. If you want to walk in a deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit, You have to cultivate that relationship. Some of the things that I listed here today, there's so many more. It's not an exhaustive list. These are just some that the Lord just gave to me as I read through this word. Some that I've lived by. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want a closer walk with the Lord. 
I want to, I want to deepen my relationship. I want the Holy Spirit to be in perfect, I want to be in perfect step with Him. Everything He's doing in my life, I want it to be that way. If that's you this morning, you say, that's me, Pastor. Would you just raise your hand all over this room? I'm not, uh, would you just raise your hand? Lord, Lord, this is me. I, I want to walk in step with your Spirit. Many hands up. For the next few moments, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to do this. I want to ask you, before we stand, is there anything in your heart that would hinder that? Anywhere in what I've maybe spoken today that would hinder that? Maybe, you're, maybe you've, you've really failed to dig into the Word of God. Maybe you just see the Holy Spirit as some kind of force out there. Maybe you're not living that righteous life. It's time to fix that. It's time to fix that. Or maybe you say, Lord, I'm doing my best. Would you just help me, encourage me? to keep walking in step, walking in step. I want you to stand with me, everybody, all over the room. I'd like to do this just a couple minutes. I'd like for everyone who would, I want you to find a place of prayer for the next three or four minutes before we close our service. And I want you to pray and say, Lord, would you help me to keep in step with you? Help me to be in harmony with you. So would you come to the altars or would you just kneel down in your, in your seat there before we go? I, I'd like for us to do this. Would you just come as, as we begin to just wrap the service up? Would you find a place to pray? And would we just say, Lord, speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, speak to me today that I would be able to walk in step with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Be lifted up, be lifted high, oh Lord. May we walk in step with the Spirit. May we walk in step with your Spirit today, Lord. Lord, remove every hindrance, oh Lord, God, in our lives. Remove every thing that, Lord, keeps us from hearing you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would expose, Lord, anything in my life. Anything, Lord God, in every person here today, Lord, that would hinder us. Lord, give us a deep hunger for your word. Let us not become ungrateful for the work that you did, Lord, upon the cross. Help us, O Lord, Help us, O Lord, to keep in step, Lord, with the Spirit today. Let us encounter you, Lord, more and more. Lord, let us go deeper. And every moment, Lord, let every encounter that we have with you, O God, mature us, Lord God. Mature our faith, Lord. When you walk us through the mountains and through the valleys, Lord, mature our faith, I pray, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I praise you and I honor you today, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your people, O Lord, today. Let this church, Lord, be a place, Lord, where your spirit dwells. Fill this place, Lord, with your glory. Let your spirit move freely in this house. We give you honor for it. We thank you, Lord, for your presence today. Hallelujah. Be lifted up. Hallelujah. Be lifted higher, be lifted up, be lifted higher, oh Lord, grow me, Lord, grow us, Lord, grow us, Lord God, in our faith, hallelujah, be lifted higher. Be lifted up, be lifted high. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Be lifted up, Lord, in our life. Be lifted higher. 
be lifted up, be lifted high. Can we all stand and sing that chorus one time before we go? Oh, lift your hands to the Lord and sing it. Be lifted up, oh hallelujah. Be lifted higher. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. One more time. Sing it unto the Lord. Make it your prayer as we go today. Be lifted up in my life, Lord, in my family. Be lifted higher. Be lifted up, be lifted. Lord, as we go today, I pray that, Lord, we would go and we would walk in the Spirit, Lord. We would walk, Lord. May we see, Lord, through the eyes of the Spirit. May we feel and touch, Lord, through the hands of the Spirit. Let you let your power flow through us. Work, Lord God, as people of the Spirit. May we keep in step with the Spirit. May we walk in the Spirit, Lord. I pray that, God, you'd help each one of us to cultivate, Lord God, a deeper, Lord, relationship so that every day, Lord, we feel the nudge. Lord, we hear the voice as you speak to us. Bless us today and walk, watch over us, Lord. I pray that, Lord, that you would keep your hand upon us, Lord, as many go and they travel, Lord, this holiday weekend. I pray that you would keep them safe, Lord. Lord, I pray that, God, that you continue to let the testimonies of your grace and your mercy, Lord, and that all things are working for your good, Lord, in our lives. Lord, they continue to flow in our life. Lord, we trust you with everything, and we give you honor because of it. We say this in Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Have a wonderful rest of the day, and enjoy the holiday. This week, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.